Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you are new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And that video does a great job of summarizing the book of Daniel. And we're spending some time looking at several stories out of the book of Daniel. And if that video made absolutely no sense to you, you're like, what in the world is that all about? I'm going to explain a portion of that today as we look at Daniel chapter 6. So we are in this series called Up. And Daniel is actually teaching us how to stand up, how to speak up, how to show up, and how to pray up. And these are some very important things that all of us need to learn if you're a Christ follower. We've got to learn to live the way that Daniel lived. And so Daniel's going to model that for us again today. Now, if you're not familiar with Daniel, let me explain a little bit of his background. He lived about 600 years before the life of Christ. And he lived as a Jew in Jerusalem. And around the time that he was about 12 or 13 years of age, King Nebuchadnezzar from the Babylonians came over from what would be for us modern day Iraq and Iran, came over and defeated them in battle and took most of them, most of the Jews, back to Babylon to live as slaves. Now, Daniel, as he started his slavery, he got an amazing opportunity. He and actually several of his friends got this amazing opportunity to work for the king. They went through this special training program, and the king said, if you do well, I will reward you heavily, and I'll give you positions and power within my kingdom. And so Daniel and his friends did very well, and they got rewarded for doing that. Now, in week one of this series, we watched as Daniel stood up to something the king asked him to do that would violate his relationship with God. And Daniel said, listen, I I can't do that. So Daniel respectfully submitted another proposal and said, would it be possible for me to do this? He was granted that. And then when the king interacted with him and his friends, the king noticed, like, these guys are like 10 times wiser than any of the other advisors that I have. And so he, as a result, rewarded them heavily with position and power within his kingdom. And then last week, we watched as Daniel spoke up, and he said something that none of us would want to say, especially to a pagan king. So the king had this really bad dream, and you saw that in the video, had this really bad, bad dream, and he called his advisors together. Nobody could interpret it, or I think probably nobody would interpret it because they knew what it meant. It was a bad uh, thing for that king. Daniel comes along. He interprets the dream, but he doesn't stop there. He actually takes it a step further and, and gave what I said last week was the last 10%. And if you get the context of this, here he is living as a slave. He's talking to a pagan king who doesn't care about his God or his rules. And he says to the king, stop sinning. Stop sinning. Stop doing what is wrong. And what would King Nebuchadnezzar know about sin? I mean, he viewed himself as a God. He wouldn't know anything about sin. I mean, he had no moral compass. He did what he wanted when he wanted. He could care less about Daniel's rules. And God protected Daniel as he spoke that truth to the king. And again, he was rewarded. Now today, we're going to watch Daniel show up. He's going to show up in a place that he's always shown up. And he's going to do what he has always done. And out of that, he's going to be not rewarded, but he's going to be sentenced to death. If you're familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's den, that's the story that we're going to look at today. Now, at this point in Daniel's life, Daniel is serving his third king. So this isn't King Nebuchadnezzar anymore. Uh, That was the first king. So the second king was King Belshazzar. 
That was Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. But this new king is King Darius, and he led the Medes and the Persians to defeat the Babylonians in battle. So again, there, there's this uh, other nation, stronger nation, coming to defeat that nation, and now Daniel is reporting to a new king from a new country. Now, Darius, when he took office, he looked around at his new kingdom and he said, wow, it's pretty big. I got to figure out how to manage all this. And so what he decided to do was to divide it up into 120 different provinces. So if you would think in the context of counties, okay, so for us, 120 different counties. So he's got all these counties, all these provinces. He puts leaders in charge of each of the provinces, and then he puts three leaders in charge of all of those provinces, and Daniel was one of those leaders. Now listen to the type of work that Daniel did. In Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 3, it says this, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So this is the first place that we're going to pause in this story and ask ourselves some questions. So Daniel, here he is again, remember the context, he's living as a slave. Again, he has been rewarded in the context of this, but again, he's still a slave. So he's been rewarded in his slavery, and yet he is working to prove himself more capable than any of the other workers around him. And so the question I have for me, the question I have for you and for us is, can the same thing be said about you? Are, are, are you that kind of worker? Am I that kind of worker? You know, when your boss sees you come in on Monday morning or whenever you come in, does your boss secretly say, one of my best employees just walked in the door? Fantastic. Or does your boss say, oh no, here they are again. What am I gonna have to clean up after them this week? How does your boss interact with you? If you are a boss, when your employees think about you or look at you, do your employees say, best boss I've ever had? Or do your employees look at you and say, what a jerk, just a complete jerk. I can't believe I have to work for, for this person. I can't wait until they're removed so I can maybe move into their spot. Now how, how do people around you observe your work? Do you prove that you are more capable than other people in your work environment? Listen to a passage out, out of uh, Colossians chapter three. So Colossians chapter three, verse 23 says, Be, uh, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. When you show up at work, your boss isn't your boss. If you're a Christ follower, your boss is not your boss. God is your boss. So when you show up, you should work as if you know that. You know that deeply to the core of your being. And you say, like, I'm working for God. I'm not working for this person. I'm working for God. And so I'm going to work to the best of my ability. And maybe you hate your boss, but that's okay. Maybe you hate your employees. That shouldn't be okay. <laughs> but we should show up and work as if we're working for God. And I think when we work that way as Christ followers, people notice I think it actually helps people take a big step towards God. And if we don't work that way, I think people notice. And I think it keeps people from taking a step towards God. They look at us, they look at how we work, they look at how we live, and they say, I don't know if I want your God because apparently he's not working for you. So I think how we work is a really big deal. And I think it's a really big deal to God as well. Now, 
Just because we decide to work with a lot of integrity and and to work with excellence and to work hard, that does not mean everybody's going to be super excited. Maybe your boss will be excited. Hopefully your boss will be excited. But maybe, just maybe, your coworkers won't be excited. So look what happens for Daniel in verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. Now we're going to stop there for just a second. So this is one of those sad realities of work and success and life is when someone gets promoted or someone gets recognized at work or someone something great happens for them, often not everybody's happy for them. Often somebody else gets jealous. Somebody else gets a little insecure. Somebody else says, well, I, I wish that happened to me. Why did that happen to them and not me? And I'm just curious, has anybody seen that in, in their work environment? Have you seen that around you where maybe you got promoted and somebody wasn't happy about it? Yeah, sad reality. You were ha- not happy about somebody? Oh, great. So you read my notes, so I'll get there in just a second. So it's a sad reality that, you know, maybe you were working with a group of people, maybe your boss noticed that you were doing a great job, promoted you, gave you, you know, management position, supervisor position, and maybe one of your coworkers or a few of your coworkers started distancing themselves from you. Maybe they started becoming critical of you. All of a sudden, kind of unjustly critical, you know, before, like we were getting along great, and then all of a sudden, you know, I got this promotion, and now they're not all that happy for me. A number of years ago, I was in the work environment, and um, uh, there were 10 of us in our department, and my boss was going to be gone for about a month due to surgery, and I was asked to kind of fill in for my boss over that month. And uh, several of my other employees, one specifically, really didn't like it. He was about 20 or 30 years older than I was. And even though I'd been at the company longer than he had, he thought he should have had that position given to him. And so he let it be known throughout the office. And he kind of let me know that as my boss was gone for a month. And it was just kind of a sad thing. I'm like, really? Like, c- come on. Like, I didn't pick this. this the, the boss picked it. So, like, suck it up. I didn't say that. I wanted to. So that was kind of a sad reality for me in that moment. But, you know, before we're too hard on other people, as Ellen brought up today, we got to ask the question, how do we respond when other people get promoted and we don't? When somebody else gets recognized and we don't? How do you respond? Are you super excited for them? Or do you say, I'm so excited for you. And, and yet inside, like you're so jealous and so envious and, and internally you're, you start asking these questions like, why them? And why not me? I work as hard as they do. Like, why did they get the recognition? Are you unjustly critical of them? Do you find yourself picking them apart behind their back? Like, I know why they got that position. You know, some people are willing to compromise their convictions. I'm not. You know, what, what do you do when somebody else gets promoted or somebody else gets recognition and you don't? Now, I wish that I could say that I never respond with jealousy or envy when something good happens for somebody else around me. I wish I could say that, but that's not true. There are moments, something good happens for somebody else, and I get jealous, and I start asking questions like, why them and not me? Like, why did that happen to them? Like, I work as hard as they do. Why did they get that recognition? Why did they get that position? Why did that really cool thing happen for them? Like, why didn't it happen for me? And if I'm not careful, I can get unjustly critical. And I can start saying things like, well, I know why they got that position. 
I know how they pulled that off. And they've been brown nosing a whole lot lately. Or I can start picking things apart about them, about their character, about their work ethic, you know, behind closed doors, behind their back, and to other people. You realize how sinful that is? You realize how wrong that is? I hate that part of me. I hate that when that happens. And so I fight very hard against that kind of stuff. And when I recognize that there's a, a jealousy in me of something going on for somebody else, man, I've, I draw my sword and I do battle with that on a consistent basis because I do not want to be that kind of person. I do not want to be that kind of person that's insecure, jealous when somebody else has something great happening for them. I truly want to celebrate with them what God is doing in their life. Why? I want people to celebrate with me when God's doing something cool in my life. So how do you handle stuff like that? So in Daniel's situation, his coworkers got jealous and they felt the way that many of us would feel. And so they go after him. They're like, like we're gonna find something wrong and we're gonna tattle, we're gonna tell and he's gonna get in trouble. But look at verse four as it continues. Verse four picks up and says, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible and completely trustworthy. So again, go back to the context of him living as a slave. Now, if you were a slave, if you were in that spot, okay, do you think maybe you would be tempted to misuse your position occasionally? Do you think maybe you would find an opportunity, if, when you, if you were working with people of your, uh, your nationality, uh, the Jews come along, do you think maybe, oh, I'll be easier on them in this context, I'll give them a few favors, but not everybody else? Do you think maybe you'd be tempted to do that? Do you think maybe in your position, you'd be tempted to fulfill some of your own greed in that moment? Maybe skim a little bit off the top. Nobody's looking. Nobody notices. Maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write on my time sheet that I was here four extra hours, but I actually wasn't. Went home early. Do you think maybe you'd be tempted to take advantage of the position that you are? Here you are. Again, you're just a slave. I, I'm pretty sure I would be tempted with that. But Daniel, what an amazing man. They couldn't find anything wrong with what he did. They couldn't find anything wrong with his work. He was faithful always responsible, completely trustworthy. That blows my mind. That Daniel would live like that with that amount of integrity, even in a slavery type situation. So here's Daniel doing everything right. They can't find anything wrong with him. So look what they conclude. Verse five, so they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. All right, so they come up with this new strategy. We got to get him not just fired. We've got to get him killed. We've got to get Daniel out of the way. I mean, he works like with too much uh, integrity. We got to get him out of the way so, so that we can actually get some of, of what he has, get his position. And so King Darius is as vulnerable to uh, pride and ego and flattery as any of us are. So can you imagine 
If some of your friends came to you or coworkers came to you this week and said, you are so amazing, you are so awesome, you're like a god, like I think we should just only pray to you all month long. This is fantastic. You are, I got a picture of you on my, my mirror when I wake up in the morning. You are the best. You're the bomb. All right. Can you imagine how, how like weird that would be? Hopefully that would be weird to you. That's why we've got to be careful with flattery. Flattery is dangerous. It's dangerous. If you've got somebody around you flattering you, be careful. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to hurt you. They're trying to get something from you. They're trying to help themselves. So ladies, if you're dating a guy and he's flattering you, be careful. Guys, if you're dating a lady, she's flattering you, be careful. If you're in a work environment, somebody's flattering you, be careful. We've got to be careful of people who are overly critical of us and who praise us way too much. Just got to be careful of that because it can hurt us and it can hurt other people around us, just like it's about to hurt King Darius. Now, if you were in his spot, if you were in Daniel's spot, okay, so this uh, new law gets passed, this new office policy comes around and you're like, who thought that one up? That was crazy. Where was I when that, when that came around? And, and you weren't involved. What would you do if you were in Daniel's spot? Okay, so I'm thinking if we're in Daniel's spot, we have at least four options. So option number one is to just obey the law. Like the law says don't pray to anybody but the king for 30 days. So I just won't pray for 30 days. If you are a person of prayer, think about all the extra time you'll have to get things done. You may be even more productive. If you don't pray much, you won't miss out on anything. So you know, maybe you just obey the law. Number two, you could pray silently. You could pray in your head while you're working, whatever you do. You could just be working, typing, whatever. I don't know, whatever you do. And you could just be praying in your head. And people say, hey, what are you doing? I'm nothing. I'm just working. And you're praying, but you're just working, you know. But you're not praying because you know you're not allowed to do that, but you're just kind of quietly doing it. Or you could pray privately. So you could go to your house, close the door, close the windows, shut all the blinds, go in your closet, turn the light off, and pray. They're like, nobody's around, nobody will know. And if they open the door and say, what are you doing in here? You're just cleaning in the dark, your closet, because it's dirty. Uh, so, so you could do that. Or number four is you could just pray the way you normally pray. If you're a person in prayer, you could just, I just, this is what I do. So I'm just going to pray the way that I normally would pray. So listen to what Daniel did in verse 10. Verse 10 says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So Daniel kept showing up where he had always shown up. Why was he able to be caught by his coworkers in that spot in his house praying? Because that's what Daniel always did. Daniel would always show up in his house. He prayed three times a day with his windows open towards Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because that's where, in the Old Testament, the presence of God rested, his presence rested there over the tabernacle, in the temple in Jerusalem. So he's praying towards Jerusalem. He's praying towards the place that he knows where God's presence rests. And he's always done that. So this isn't Daniel kicking his windows open saying, well, I'm going to defy the king with this rule and I'm going to pray in front of everybody so that everybody sees me doing this. No, this is Daniel being consistent and showing up where Daniel has always shown up to do what Daniel has always done, and that is to pray. So I think so much of Daniel's success in his life 
So much of the favor that he's found from God, so much of the favor that he's found from other people, the kings that he worked for, happened because of the pre-decisions that he had already made. And we've seen this in this series so far. We've seen Daniel predetermine what he's gonna do, decide in advance how he's gonna live. So in, in week one, we watched Daniel determine in advance that he was not going to defile himself with the king's food. So he just determined in advance, this is how I'm going to live. And when that temptation came along, that command came along, Daniel had already decided, I'm sorry, but I just can't do that. Came up with another plan and God rewarded him for that. Then last week, we watched Daniel speak the last 10% to King Nebuchadnezzar. And why did he do that? I think he did that because he had predetermined that speaking the truth in love to people is better than lying to them flattering them or telling them 80% of the truth. So I think Daniel said, listen, I guess it may get me in a lot of hot water, but I'm going to speak the truth and love to people in every situation. And here we have Daniel. What's Daniel doing now? He's showing up to pray. Why? Because I think Daniel has predetermined that bowing before God is better than standing before men. So I think he's determined. I'm just going to bow before God and pray the way that I've always prayed because that's always better than standing in a position of authority over men. And so again, I think so much of his success came from the decisions that he'd already made. And I wonder how beneficial that would be for us. How beneficial would that be in our world if we just pre-decided, you know, if we just decided in advance, this is how I'm going to live. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak the truth and love to people. I'm not going to defile myself with things that will violate my relationship with God. You know, I'm going to show up consistently where I need to show up doing what I know I need to be doing because that's what God asks of me. How valuable that would be to us if we did that. Now, just because we do that, that doesn't mean we won't face persecution. We won't go through difficult moments. And, and that's something that we often think. That's something I hear on a consistent basis, stuff that I even think in moments like, God, I've decided in advance, I'm going to church on a regular basis. I'm reading my Bible. I'm serving. Like, I'm going to work with integrity. Like, I'm going to resolve my relational conflict when it comes up. I'm just going to live the way that you want me to live. And then when difficulty comes, we say, why? Like, I, I thought you were supposed to like, take care of all that. I thought when I decided to follow you, like you were going to straighten all the paths, like my life would go up to the right always. I would never go through difficulty or struggle or pain or financial loss or health issues. Like I thought, like I would never have to face these kind of crazy things. Why? The, the Bible teaches a different concept than that. It, it says, Jesus says uh, this, it just says, listen, you're going to suffer persecution in the, this world. You're going to, you're going to struggle. There are going to be some difficult moments in your life. Uh, look at 2 Timothy 3.12. It says, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you want to live a godly life, you want to live like Daniel, you will suffer persecution. Mark it on your calendar. And then watch what happens in this next verse. 2 Peter, 2 Peter 4.12 says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Like, like don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when, when you come along and you are battling in your relationship with the world. You're, you've decided to follow God and then you, you go through these difficult moments and all of a sudden you are struggling 
Don't be surprised. Actually, that verse goes on to say, be glad about it. Because somehow you're sharing in Christ's suffering and in Christ's reward. Like, be glad about it. Now, just curious. When, when struggle comes, when difficulty happens, how many of you are glad about it? Thanks for the honesty. Like, me either. Me either. So we got to know, as Christ followers, we will go through difficult moments in life. Just because you signed up to, to follow Jesus doesn't mean that nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. There may be some difficult things, but God asks us to stand up, to speak up, to show up, and to keep following him no matter what happens. Now listen, what happens to Daniel? As he's decided to follow God. It says in verse 11, then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So what's Daniel doing in this situation? He's saying, God, I'm in a really weird situation. This, this law has been passed. What do I do? He's asking God for help. And he's violating the law while he's doing it because he's praying to God. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Like, did, it, did uh, you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? And yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they pulled a fast one on him. And they said, king, that man, Daniel, you know, one of those slaves from Judah, those captives from Judah, he's ignoring you. And he's ignoring your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. And hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. So the king knew in that moment, I've been deceived. I gave in to flattery and here it is about to hurt me. I have evil employees that all they want to do is they want to hurt Daniel and ultimately hurt me. And he did everything he could to try to get Daniel out of this spot, but he couldn't. So listen to verse 15 and why. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. Okay, so in that context, in that time frame, most leaders, kings, especially if you're a king, you were viewed as a god. And so if a god made a law, a god doesn't come along later and say, oops, like I didn't think that one through well enough, let me change the law. Now, god do, doesn't do that. When a god says this is what needs to happen, then that's the law and it must be followed. So they come back to the king in verse 16. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. So, so we're getting a picture into the relationship that Daniel had with the king. And early that next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of lions so that they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den and not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted 
and his God. So not a scratch was found on Daniel. Why? Because he trusted in God. He trusted in God in that moment. Let me just remind all of us of something this morning. The same God who sent the angel to shut the mouths of lions for Daniel is the same God who's on the throne today. That's the same God. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what difficulty may be in your world, no matter how, how much you feel like you're, you've been thrown to the lion's den, no matter what situation you're in, that same God is still on the throne today. And that same God can still work in your life. That same God can still shut the mouths of lions. That same God can quiet the mouths of coworkers who are trying to falsely accuse you of something you have not done. That same God can work in the lives of peers at school who may be making fun of you because you want to be a, fo- a follower of Jesus. You want to f- follow Jesus Christ with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they make fun of you, and, and they, they persecute you throughout the week as, while you're at school. That same God can still work in your situation. And verse 24 tells us that we don't ever have to worry about revenge. Because what happens in verse 24, the king turns around to all of his evil employees and he says, now I'll make a new law, throw them in the lion's den. And so as they're thrown in the lion's den, that verse 24 says, they were torn to shreds before they hit the ground. So I'm thinking those lions were hungry, especially after the angel held their mouth shut. So they tore them apart. And that, what that tells me is we don't have to ever worry about revenge. You know, sometimes we want to. Somebody hurts us, somebody says something bad about us, somebody you know, kind of blasphemes our name, and we want to get back at them. And the Bible teaches we shouldn't do that, ever. So listen to Romans. Romans 12, verse 19 says this. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So you and I never have to worry about getting even with somebody. You never have to worry about about getting back at somebody who's hurt you at work or home or school or wherever or on the internet. Like you never have to worry about that. God will take care of that in God's time. What God asks of us is that we be faithful. We be responsible. We be completely trustworthy. And then maybe, just maybe, something like, What's about to happen to King Darius will happen to people around you. So listen to what King Darius does in verse 25. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Do you understand how profound that is? In that context, a nation defeating another nation would say, our gods are better than your God. Our gods defeated you in battle. And so it should be King Darius saying, well, the, Medes, the gods of the Medes and the Persians are better than the Babylonians' gods because we beat them. And then ultimately, we're better than the, gods, the God of Judah, the God of Israel, because we beat them in battle as well. But Darius is saying, everybody... And my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion's den. Only God can do that. Only God 
can take a pagan king or an atheistic coworker or a non-believing family member and give them that kind of perspective where they see that God is God. And God used Daniel and his life and his faithfulness to do that. So closing questions for us is, might God do that in our world? Might God do that through your life, through my life? And when we're looking back at Daniel's story here, I've got to ask for all of us, where do you need to keep showing up in your life, like Daniel? What do you need to predecide or redecide in your life? Like, what do you need to d- decide in advance how you're going to live? Or maybe you've gotten away from it. Maybe you need to come back and say, you know what? I, like, I made a decision one time, but I need to come back to this decision I made and make it again and confirm it again. Where do you need to keep showing up in your world? Maybe it's at home. Maybe you're in this dysfunctional family system at home. Maybe there's dysfunction between you and your spouse, maybe between you and a kid, maybe between you and another family member. And maybe God is asking you to just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Maybe you've got a family member who could care less about you loving God and serving God and going to church, and they wish you would stop inviting them to church. Maybe they're giving you a hard time about this faith that, that, that you are living. And maybe God's challenge to you today is to just keep showing up. Keep showing up and living that consistent life before them every day. Reading your Bible, praying, trying to apply what you know you need to apply to your life. When you face difficulty, just living the way that you need to live like Daniel did. Maybe it's in a work environment. Maybe you've got kind of a hostile work environment and you take some flack because maybe you're the Christ follower. And maybe you need to keep showing up. Maybe you've been tempted to get another job, but I don't know, maybe God is saying, you know what, you need to keep showing up and have the perspective that you work for God and you don't work for this boss or you don't really work with these coworkers. Like you're, you're supposed to be here working as if you're working with me, as if you're working for me. And maybe God just wants you to keep showing up and be consistent. Maybe you've gone through some difficulty in your life and you've looked back at it and you've said, you know what, like I, I said I was going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying every day and then I go through all this heartache, like why do I even read my Bible? Why do I even go to church? Why do I even pray? Maybe you've been tempted to walk away from that because of the difficulty that you faced. So where do you need to keep showing up? What do you need to decide? What do you need to redecide in your relationship with God, how you will live, no matter what you face? As we close today, Our worship team is going to close us out in a song called It Is Well. And it's a real powerful song. And it's kind of a remake of a song uh, that was written, a hymn actually written in the late 1800s by a guy by the name of Horatio Spatford. Okay, so kind of a strange name, but here's his story. So Horatio had gone through all kinds of difficulty in his life, Um, some financial difficulty, um, some big financial difficulty. Um, His wife and his four kids were sailing across the Atlantic to Europe, and their ship hit another ship and sank, and his four daughters died. His wife was saved alone. So while he was going over to Europe on, on the ship to see his wife and grieve with her, he came across the spot where his daughters drowned. And he wrote this song. And listen to some of the verses that come out of this song. We can pull up some of those. So this is the, the, the first line out of that song. It says, When peace like a river 
attendeth my way, or basically, hey, when things are going great in my world, when sorrow like sea billows roll, so like when things are going horrible, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Next verse. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. So God sees us. He knows what we're going through. And he sent Jesus to die for us. And this last verse, powerful, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, not just part of my sin. All of my sin is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. So when I think about that song, I think about Daniel. So Horatio, he went through several more major hardships in his life before passing. And all through that, he praised God. All through that, he said, I'm gonna keep showing up. I'm gonna keep doing what I know I need to be doing every day because of who God is. Doesn't matter what difficulty I face. Doesn't matter what people say about me. None of that matters. I'm gonna keep showing up. I've predecided that I'm gonna follow God no matter what. He lived like Daniel. So as our worship team sings this song, I encourage you to process a few of those questions that I gave you. Where do you need to keep showing up in your life? What do you need to predecide? What do you need to redecide? And no matter what you face in life, will you say, it is well with my soul? Let's pray together. God, again, Daniel is an amazing example to us. Someone, Lord, whom we all need to learn to be more like. I'm so encouraged by him and his story and his life. And as, as we watch Daniel, or just show up again and again to do what, what Daniel knows you want him to do. He keeps showing up and he, he's, Lord, he's pre-decided how he's gonna live. And no matter what, no matter what happens, if a crazy law is passed, a crazy new office policy is passed, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how much difficulty, doesn't matter if he gets sentenced to the lion's den, he's gonna follow you. He's gonna say, you know what? It's, it's well with my soul. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God no matter what. So Lord, may we be like that. May we be like Daniel. Lord, may we live with such deep conviction. May we work with such deep conviction that people see us and they, and they not just see us, but they see you. So Lord, I pray today for, for folks who need to make that decision to keep showing up, to keep showing up at home, maybe, maybe at work, Maybe at school, maybe in a friendship. Lord, I, like, I don't know. You know where we need to keep showing up. So I pray that you would speak powerfully to us today. Remind us what we need to do in those situations, in those moments. And Lord, I pray that we would be people like Daniel who could say from the core of our being, no matter what happens, it is well. In Jesus' name, amen. It was good to see you guys today. My name is Evan. If you're new with us, I'm one of the pastors here at staff at Epic. And we just want to take a couple of minutes of your time, let you know what's going on in the next few weeks. And then we'll get down to what we're really here for, which is to hear Trent come out and give an awesome message. So thank you so much for your patience. Um, if you are new with us, we would love to get to meet you, to get to know you. We have a connection center 
right out here on your right as you're heading out. We'd love for you to stop. Let us tell you a little bit about who we are and let you know what we're doing in the community, uh, aside from what we're going to tell you about this morning. And now we believe that this is an awesome time that we spend here together, but real life change happens inside of small groups or community groups. And we really believe that that's where life happens. That's where you get to talk to people about what's going on in your life, what's happening at home, what your struggles are, what you're excited about. And we want to encourage you guys to get involved in community groups. So if you're not, today is your chance. Tonight, we begin our five-week group experience. So if you want to be part of a community group for couples, for men or for women, come out to Palm Coast Community Church tonight at four o'clock. Yes, four o'clock. And come check out what all we're doing. You're going to be able to find a group that fits your schedule, that fits a good portion of your personality, and you get to know some new people. Now, if you're not sure where that is, we've got a table in the back and go and check out and we'll be happy to give you directions. So come out tonight, four o'clock, Palm Coast Community Church, and get involved in a small group. It's a life-changing thing to do. Now, while I'm talking about small groups, let me tell you about a brand new one we're getting ready to start. Uh, in March, I think it's March 15th, Wednesdays, we're going to be getting a group called the Business Group Experience. Now, some of us are wired to do well in business, right? That's part of our worship. That's part of our service to God. If that's you, if you own a small business or you want to start a business or maybe you're self-employed, I want to encourage you to go check this out. So you can ask about it in the back. But what we're doing is we've got a couple of guys who lead really successful businesses here in Flagler County, and they're going to lead this group. And you guys are going to learn how to take your business from where it is to where you want it to be. They're leading out of a book from Dave Ramsey called um, Enter Leadership. So check it out. Again, that's going to be Wednesdays in March uh, from 7 to 8.30. begins March 15th. If you have any more questions, you want to learn more about it, go check that out in the back. We would love to tell you more about it. Speaking about March, we've got one other event we want to tell you about in March, and that is the Epic Kids Drive-In. So this is a really cool family event. You guys all get together here. We clear out all the seats, and you guys get to come and build cars with your kids, which is really cool. We give you guys the boxes. We give you guys some supplies. You can bring your own lights or cool stuff to make your car cooler than everybody else's in the room. But come out with your kids. You get to build a car, spend some time together, have some popcorn, and then watch a great movie. So that's going to be March fifth, right here at this school, Saturday night, beginning at 5.30. Make sure you come out. There should be a card on your seat, so take that home as a reminder as well, so you can come out with your family. It's a great time to spend with your kids, so make sure you make out for that. And then as you came in this morning, you might have noticed some grocery bags sitting out. Those are not for us to take home. Those are for you guys to bring here. You guys have been amazing collecting food for our food drive. This goes to support one of our partners, Grace Community Food Pantry, and they supply food to families every week. And a bag of groceries will feed a family for a weekend. So we want to encourage you guys. Um, we're using the entire month of February. So next Sunday is our last Sunday to bring food in. So if you haven't done it yet, grab a bag on your way out, put some canned goods in it, some non-perishables, bring it back next Sunday. If you're like me and your bag is still sitting on a counter somewhere because you can't remember it for the life of you, put your car keys in it next week. Drop them in there Saturday night. You won't be able to leave without it. Bring it in Sunday morning. So next week is our last week to do our food drive. Now, if you believe that what we're doing is important here in Flagler, we want to encourage you guys and invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that one of two ways. You can do it in the giving boxes in the back. You can give by check or by cash, or you can do it online, theepicchurch.com. You can give securely there. But if you believe that what's happening here is important and it's changing Flagler County, we would love you guys to partner with us in that. Now, that's all I have for this morning. Thanks for a couple of minutes of your time. Check out the screens. 
We're going to put up a quick video, and then Trent will be out. We'll have a great rest of the service. Thank you, guys.